you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Is the host me? Is it me? Is it me this time? Hey, guys, this is Chris Voss. Uh, they just told me, they just handed me this thing. It says, you are the host. And I, I, that's been passed to me. So welcome to the show, folks. We certainly appreciate you guys. The com. I guess I have to do that. Hey, we have an amazing journalist from the Wall Street Journal on today. We have some great journalists from the Wall Street Journal, if you go look at our roster over there. So we're just slowly working our way through every journalist possible as they write books we always have to wait for them to write books i don't know why they never come on just just to shoot the crap but you know there's they're they're always invited on to just shoot the the poop anytime they want they don't have to have to write a book to get on the show we love journalists and he's calling in from france so we're going to be talking about paris and maybe some other things or maybe we'll just talk about his book one of those two anyway guys we'll be talking about that be sure to refer the show to your friends name is relatives Go to goodreads.com for chess Chris Voss, youtube.com for chess Chris Voss. Every place that the Chris Voss show or Chris Voss is at, go see my uh, speaking courses, uh, consulting from uh, Chris Voss Leadership Institute.com. And you can learn everything about us over there. We have a new hottest author. He's got a book coming out on August 9th. You're going to check this out, order it up so you can be the first in your book club to read it. The title of the book is called Boundless. The Rise and Fall and Escape of Carlos Ghosn. It's coming out August 9th. It's written by the Wall Street Journal's Nick Costum and Sean McLean. And they, we have one of them on the show that we were graced by. I guess the other one is in Japan. So we won't be talking to him. He's probably in bed right now. But Nick is with us. Nick has worked for the Wall Street Journal since 2015, covering business and finance from Paris. During that time, he's broken... News on some of the biggest corporate stories in Europe. He's a graduate of the University College of London, and he lives in Paris. Welcome to the show, Nick. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on. Thanks for coming on. And you're you're over in France time. What time is it in the morning over there? Or night? Seven p.m. Actually. Seven p.m. There you go. We're pitching you in the working late, burning the midnight hours. So give us your. Congratulations on the new book. Give us your dot-coms where people can maybe look you up on the interwebs and find out more about you. Sure. So I'm on Twitter, Nick underscore Costa at Twitter.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to follow me on there. And I have an author page, obviously, at the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> Big newspaper. Big newspaper. Yeah. I've been yeah. reading it since I was 18, I think, or something like that. Wow. Always a good Always good. So what motivated you to write this book? Why did you pick up the topic and, and what was like, this is something I need to write about? Great question. I mean, first of all, this is something, this is, this was a, a big corporate story. So because of my job, I covered this from, you know, the day of Carlos Ghosn's kind of surprise arrest in Japan, all the way through kind of his detention when he got let out on bail and then his crazy escape from Japan in a box where he kind of then escaped to Lebanon where he's living in, as an international fugitive. So I was covering it that every step of the way. Sean, obviously in Japan, was was doing it with me, and we just got to the point where I mean, it it, it is just 
just an incredible story. And if you keep writing kind of 800 word articles, 600 word articles, 2000 word articles, there's a point that comes where that's just not enough. And the arc of the story was amazing. It was so rich. You know, we had a, we had an incredible character. We had governments involved. We had kind of former special forces getting him out of Japan. We, we, it, it is just the best story that I've ever come across in my journalism career. And so at some point, in fact, it was pretty soon after the escape, we just thought, you know, we have, we have to write a book here. <laughs> we, we just need to get it done. So give us an overview of who this guy is. I'm sure this story will start ringing some bells because this was quite extraordinary. Yeah, it's an extraordinary story. So this guy, Carlos Ghosn, he, you know, he was one of the, the very, very, very top executives in the world, kind of the face of Davos. The first man to head, to be CEO of not one, but two Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. Nobody had ever ent- attempted to do that before. So he was head of Nissan, with, mm-hmm. so he would spend kind of half of his life as Nissan CEO, and then he would fly to France and spend the other half of his life as Renault CEO. Wow. Uh, so, you know, a guy who for years turned around companies and could seemingly do no wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people kind of hung off his every word. He would whine about the, the global economy, about, you know, about politics, about all sorts of things. And he was just one of the face, a big face. Of, but that was it. And we certainly, you know, there, there was such a large part of the story, which we had no idea about. And we started coming out, obviously, after his arrest. Yeah. And, and this guy, he had an interesting childhood. Tell us a little bit about his childhood. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, something which was kind of hidden in plain sight for all these years where he was such a well-known corporate executive was his interest in childhood. So he was born in the Amazon rainforest in mm-hmm. Brazil, tiny little village called Porto Velo. So he was there for a while, and then he moved to Lebanon, you know, his ancestral homeland where his family's from. And in Lebanon, you know, he attended a good school, but there, there was a huge scandal, basically, that was on the front pages of all the newspapers at the time, where his dad was accused of killing a priest, and in fact, convicted of killing a priest when Carlos Ghosn was just six years old. And so his dad, you know, initially was sentenced to death. This was then, on appeal, it was commuted to a 15-year sentence because the, the killing was ruled an accident. But, you know, this, this kind of made Carlos Ghosn... It, I mean, it's an extremely formative experience for him, obviously, when your dad is kind of convicted for killing a priest when you're six years old, and that's all oh. over the front pages of the newspapers. So he would go visit him growing up, but he was kind of like the, the, the man of the house from a very young age, surrounded by sisters and his mother and his grandmother. Hi, folks, here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Now back to the show. But yes, super interesting childhoods. Also in Lebanon, we don't get that many kind of corporate titans who are from Lebanon or from, or from similar countries. So for all these reasons, he kind of had a different outlook to a lot of other CEOs that certainly I've come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was quite extraordinary. I mean, he, I, I don't think a lot of people knew who he was. And then all of a sudden, there was yeah. a story of him 
being expatriated out of out of Japan. Yeah. And so he ends up in in a bit of a quandaries over the year. I mean, he like you mentioned, he's a he's a huge successful CEO, but uh, yeah. uh, tease out some of the different things where he gets himself in trouble and and starts yeah, sure. ending up on the wrong side of the law. Yeah. So what's quite interesting is so Carlos going obviously he, he so he he turned around or, or helped to turn around Renault, his first company. Then he turned around Nissan, his second company. Now he's in charge of both companies, and he feels like he should be paid like an American CEO. One, one thing that he was, that, that, you know, he would tell, all, you know, all, even, he'd even tell journalists off the record, but he'd, he'd tell like all of his colleagues, listen, I'm being underpaid. I'm underpaid compared to the person at GM. I'm underpaid compared to the person at Fiat Chrysler or, or wherever. I should be getting more money. The problem is obviously in France and in Japan, the corporate culture is not to pay like you do in America, right? Mm -hmm. And he's head of a French company and a Japanese company. And so you know, if he's getting $30 million a year paychecks, there's going to be like outrage. And so he's forced to accept, I guess, a French paycheck and a Japanese paycheck, which is already a lot of money. But he tries to look in secret at how he could maybe stay at those companies whilst also being paid like an American CEO, but not telling the shareholders, obviously not telling the public. He doesn't want to deal with the backlash. Wow. And so what we see is he begins to defer his compensation, sign some agreements. This is what he's originally arrested for. And then what we find out after he's in jail for a while is that there's also kind of tens of millions of dollars that seem to be, I mean, he denies this to this day, but there seem to be transiting from his company through a man and into his pocket. And, and we know throughout these years, because he was open about it, that he felt underpaid. And we also mm -hmm. know now that he looked at all of these ways to make up that shortfall. And so he wow. to get him, that's how he starts to get himself in trouble, essentially, in, uh, in, a, in a simple form. And so one day he lands in Japan and he basically just gets arrested at the airport. Wow. Wow. Did he know he was going to get arrested? Was it a surprise to him? No, he, he, would never, I, he would never have gone to Japan if he knew he was going to wow. get arrested. I mean, basically, wow. you know, he just gets off the, because he had a private jet, which he used to go between the various operations of his company, as well as some exotic holidays. But he... You know, the private jet lands, you know, he goes up to the passport, gives, gives over his passport as he always did. And they say, look, there's a problem. And at this stage, he basically just gets put into a van, taken to Kosuge prison. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy, actually, through this story, one thing that we did learn about a lot was the Japanese justice system. And so he gets taken to this jail and we just can't, we don't hear from Carlos going for three weeks. Wow. You know, at the beginning, he doesn't have a lawyer. We don't even know whether he denied the charges. It's even hard to know what the charges are. And he's just total silence uh, mm -hmm. and he's just basically you know in solitary confinement in the japanese jail and so he's gone and he has gone from the top of the business world the davos jet set to mm -hmm. you know on his own in a cell in a japanese jail basically um, a self-made billionaire right yeah well i think he was getting there he was certainly yeah. made multi 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 multi-millionaire but it seems i mean i, I we kind of you know, had access to, to some notes inside his phone. And it did seem that he was tallying up his wealth and that the goal was to become a self-made billionaire. Wow. So greed is good. I mean, the funny thing about this story yeah. is he'd be just fine if he lived in, you know, oligarchy America. Know. You know, this is, yeah. a, this is a pittance or something what we pay CEOs now. And I, well, he often said, I did ask him once, I was like, do you have any regrets or any? And he mm -hmm. said, I wish I was taking the General Motors job, you know? There you rather, go. Than, rather than stay at the Japanese and French company and then try and find all these schemes to try and make up the shortfall and get myself into trouble, just take the GM job. And yeah. I think that will be solved with a lot of problems.
but at the same time, you know, the guy was revered in Japan. He was, he was feared if maybe if not loved in France and, and maybe he had some, he had some freedom and some, some latitude at these companies that he wouldn't have had as an American CEO with, with a tough board of directors. And, you know, there, there was certainly also some, some positives to, to being head of a Japanese and a French company. You know, this, want to give up. this is a story, you know, I, I, you know, I'd seen the thing where he'd been ex, I don't know what the right word is, ex, extra, extracted. Uh, extracted, yeah, patriot, like that's extracted. Not right. extracted from from the japan you're like what the hell and then there was some american mercenaries or i don't know if you call them mercenaries but there was some american security quote-unquote people who got involved and i think some of them are in trouble aren't they yeah so i mean this is also i mean the whole the whole thing is crazy the whole thing is a crazy story but they've essentially swapped places with goat this is trading places because they came back to the U.S. So it's a father and son. The father was a security consultant and um, obviously agreed to do this, involved his son. And they came back to the U.S. And the U.S. has an extradition treaty with Japan. So they were arrested one morning at their house, taken to a jail in Massachusetts, went through a whole court case, sent over to Japan, convicted. They actually confessed, you know, made an apology, mm -hmm. bowed. And now they're in Japan and they're in a Japanese jail. And actually when they flew to Japan for the first time, they were put in the exact same jail that Gone had been held in. Wow. So they're now serving a, I think the, the, the father's got a two and a half year sentence or something and the son. Wow. Slightly shorter one, but it's, they, they're, you know, they're big sentences. How many, how many years or how much money did they make for, for that, the son, the father and son? Yeah. Great question. I mean, I, I have to say that I don't know entirely what we do oh. know. What we do know is that there was an $800,000 payment <clears throat> made by going to these guys before the escape. There mm. was then a $500,000 payment made after the escape. So we're at 1.3 million. Obviously with that, they've got to hire a private jet, buy a box, et cetera. But what I don't know, you know, what, what, what they claimed that that was it. They claimed there was no more money. What I don't yeah. know is whether that claim is true. Um, nah. they claimed, Sounds like he was pretty good at moving money around, hiding money. So there could be like a trust somewhere or something. Uh, exactly. We don't know what the agreement is, you know, once they get out of the pan. That's just crazy, man. I don't know. Would you go to jail story. for three? Would you go to jail in Japan for three years with for a million and one point three million? No way. No way. I mean, also because you know, you've, as I said, you've got to, you've got expenses out of that, so you've got to hire the private jet. That's true. Well, it says a bunch of other things. And the other thing to say about Michael Taylor, who's the guy who got him out, is he was living a comfortable life in Massachusetts. You know, he wasn't. Yeah. It's not like he needed the money. Oh, really? Was, yeah, he was doing totally fine. He had a, a vitamin water business. Was this one of those? Uh, he seemed like he was kind of like a, one of those macho dudes who's a little who you know makes one too many gun videos. I don't know that he does that, but you know what I mean. Just that sort of guy. Yeah. His like yeah, a, he's, he's actually like he's a he's an incredible character, like super complicated because he's got he's a guy. He's got he's got a big heart, genuinely a big yeah. heart, Michael Taylor. And I think what he thought that going was being wrong. And what, yeah. what he wanted me was, I didn't see this any differently as getting him out of North Korea. I just thought the guy was being wrong. And that's what wow. I kept saying. And that's what I kept saying. And so, you know, he does the job. The other thing to say about Michael Taylor is he had worked in security for a while. Then he got involved in a scheme and pleaded guilty to, to some charges of basically defrauding the American government over like an Afghanistan contract back in 2012. Wow. So he went to jail for a bit, got out. 
and he was doing vitamin water and stuff like that. But that's just not going to keep your blood pumping. If you've had the career that Michael Payne had, which was crazy. Yeah. And so I think yeah. also when he, when he gets that call from, from Lebanon, basically saying, do you want to help out Carlos going? It's hard to say no. It's hard yeah. to say that, that excitement, right? And and this story is just extraordinary. Yeah. Like like if you watch this, you'd be like, you know, this could be a Hollywood movie. It probably will end up as a Hollywood movie yeah. off your book. But you know, he's he's having wife problems with the divorce. You know, he's using all this way to move money around. His he has an affair. <laughs> I know. Okay, yeah. It was just like everything goes off the rails completely for this guy. And then Definitely. and then. And then they didn't even check the box. They were loading onto a private plane. I guess that was an oversight or something that, that took place, if I recall rightly. I mean, you know, the, the thing is with, like, security for private jets is it's not, mm -hmm. uh, it's not that tight because, like, you know, most people who fly in private jets are not going to blow up their own plane. So yeah, basically you get a form which says, would you like a security check? And they take the box, no. And so if you actually look at the CCTV, which is of them getting onto, you know, going through security. There's just like an airport worker wheels the box next to the, you know, next to the thing that's supposed to be next to the metal detector. <laughs> then one of the two guys walks through the metal detector, set it off. So the metal detector goes off. Nobody does anything. They just keep walking onto the plate. And the other guy walks next to it. And that's it. That was the security check. So there was like oh. never any, you know, there was never any chance of and what the guy the guy hit in the box? He have like an oxygen tank or something to <laughs> well, some actually, like air holes. Or? Yeah, there was seventy air holes. So ah, so what Michael Taylor had done, who was the former Green Beret Special Forces guy, he you know he just drilled these seventy holes in the bottom, so so Gone's mouth was kind of next to it. And he could, wow! And and what he'd done was wheeled it around his house just to check that it was still strong enough, and that Gone you know that his arm wouldn't fall out or something like that. Wow! So yeah, he got some a human being transport box. And then they go to... Go the simplicity of it all, I think, mm -hmm. right? It's like, how do you get out of Japan? Well, just get in a box. Just get in a box and pull the hell out. And it's genius in a way. You know? Yeah. Plus, you don't have to play for a plane ticket or a, a seat ticket, you know, that extra seat fee. You don't have to wait in the line. You just get right in the box. Exactly. Go, I, I think I'm going to start traveling that way. You skip the TSA line and stuff, you know, you don't have to yeah. deal with being felt up. And then he goes to Lebanon where I guess there's no extradition treaty with Japan. Is he wanted exactly. by Interpol now? So if he ever leaves Lebanon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he can't leave Lebanon. So he's wanted by Interpol. So Japan requested an Interpol red notice, it's called. And mm -hmm. France has also requested an Interpol red notice because they also, you know, have been looking into this kind of money flow through the Middle East. And, <laughs> and the French have concluded that indeed he stole millions from Renault, as the Japanese oh, have concluded wow. that he stole millions from Nissan. In wow. the same way, actually, with the same money loop. So, so yeah, he's got, he's got a red notice, he can't leave Lebanon, but as long as he stays in Lebanon, there's just nothing, there's nothing the French can do, there's nothing the Japanese can do. They're kind of like in this holding pattern, wow. potentially forever, because there's, there's they literally, if Lebanon doesn't extradite its citizens, I don't know what they can do. Do you remember the Mark? Was it Mark Rich? Do you remember the Mark Rich guy? When I was growing up yeah. in the, when I was 18, yeah, he, I believe it was Mark Rich, M-A-R-C. Huh? Clinton pardoned him, but I remember growing up and it was during the, it was during the era of Ivan Bielski and 
Yeah, that's when uh-huh. I first started reading the Wall Street Journal was was during the Greed is Good days, the uh-huh. Michael Milk and stuff. That tells you how old I am. But he was a international commodities trader, hedge fund manager, and businessman. And he escaped, the U.S. government was prosecuting him for something. And uh-huh. he escaped to, I believe, Sweden. And at the time, Sweden, I think, didn't have an extradition treaty or he paid the over there, like, yeah. you know, a filthy, enormous amount of money. I remember for for decades, they were trying to get to him, U.S. government. And then finally, a Clinton pardoned And it was a big scandal for one of Clinton's pardons because he'd basically been not really bought off. I maybe yeah, yeah. right. I don't want to get sued by the Clintons, but it was it was Something scandalous. Happened. I think that's the right yeah. word. Scandalous because there was yeah. some. I think some money that transferred into some political accounts. Maybe I don't. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, Mark Rich. I remember he was. You know, the U.S. government can get to him. Sweden wouldn't extradite him. I believe it was Sweden that he was hiding in. But yeah, it might be a bit of that story. Can they can they send in a can they send in a they can't have one of those CIA like teams going in and extricate it? Yeah, I or mean, anything like that. I remember going to see going in Lebanon in the days after his escape and talking to him about it. He was uh-huh. totally worried about it because I remember him saying that there was some Japanese who had you know moved in across the street and the people looking <laughs> at his house and he even thought that maybe he would get snatched back and taken back to Japan. I mean, it all seems very unlikely. He does still have bodyguards. Wow. And I know that it's something that he's worried about in the past. It does seem it does seem unlikely for a country to set that up. I mean, they kind of yeah. have to follow the rules. But, but to your point about the Clinton administration, it's also, it, you know, Japan is still extremely angry about this. About oh, him, yeah. About what he said about the Japanese justice system, about him just basically leaving the country, saying he'd attend trial and not doing it. I know France is pretty angry about this. I, I wouldn't say they're as angry as Japan, but the chances of them ever forgiving Gone, <laughs> I think are wow. zero, you know. So you got to interview him quite a bit? Yeah, got to interview him quite a bit, you know, also because I interviewed him even before we wrote the book, as I say, we decided to write the book after the escape. I got to interview him wow. before, before that too, got to spend some time with him. You know, he's, He's a he's an impressive guy. Huh. You spend an hour with him, you don't see the time go by. He's got a lot of charisma. He's very intense. He gets straight to the point. And frankly, you know, on most of the stuff, he was pretty forthcoming. In my in, in my opinion, and he was good. He was good with me. The only the only topic that he was not forthcoming on, and that he would not really go into, was the, the money the, the money loop through a man that that seemed to end up in his own pocket. That he has never been expansive about. He didn't, you know. There's a French judge who flew to Lebanon to interview him about it. He didn't. He didn't answer the questions. He, he wow. didn't answer the questions to Lebanese to the Japanese. Sorry, he didn't answer journalist questions. So he's never he's never explained what this you know this money that seems to leave the companies and then ends up in his pocket. And by the way, he bought a yacht with it. Every good, <laughs> good financial crime story has to have a yacht. <laughs> there we yeah. go. But yeah, he's that was the one that was the one topic where he kind of just said. You know, no comment. Can he go on the yacht? I mean, if it's parked in Lebanese <laughs> international waters, yeah, like, you go in international waters, you're open to open it. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, so so this yacht is now at the center of a dispute, obviously, because Nissan says, "Well, you bought the yacht with Nissan money, therefore it's our yacht." Uh, and Gone says, "No, no, it's my yacht. I bought it. You know, 
uh, or I, I basically got it through my et cetera, et cetera. It's my yacht. And so this yacht is, is moored in Lebanon until mm-hmm. they tore out and, and, but it's registered in the, in the British Virgin Islands. So the court case is happening in the British Virgin Islands and we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, you know, you can track yachts. There are lots of people have been doing it with the oligarchs recently. So there's, yeah. there's lots of websites that allow you to track yachts. And I did see that the yacht had been moving up and down the coast of Lebanon, whether, whether, whether Carlos going was on it or not, I haven't. Uh, wow. But interesting that, that it does seem to. Yeah. How old is he now? Very late 60s. Uh, uh, so. 68, maybe. Maybe 68. Yeah. So he's just yeah. basically retiring Lebanon. You can probably yeah. pay off lots of people in Lebanon. I don't know. I imagine that, that's how things work in that country, from what I understand. You yeah. just have to make sure yeah. somebody doesn't snatch you in one of those uh, black helicopter CIA sort of things. And. Hey, you yeah, just you just chill. <laughs> it yeah, does, yeah. It does have to be kind of interesting. I don't know if you've asked him this, but it. I, yeah. What would it be like to have that much money, that much power, and you can't really go anywhere with it? You know what I mean? Like Look, he says. He says. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, I've spoken to him about his life, and he says he's really happy. So yeah, he's lived it already. <laughs> But even now, he says he, he says he's happy now that you know yeah. he take a step back. Now, one thing that I haven't mentioned that he's living in a house that was bought for him by Nissan, and which Nissan says is theirs. So they're trying to evict him from his house. Oh, so serious? That's another, that's another wow. Court case. There's so many court cases going on for sure. Anyway, and he's he's really thumbed his nose to the Japanese justice oh, yeah. system. I mean, he's he's been outright. I've you know, I, yeah, yeah, from yeah. what I've seen, he's just been outright. Yeah, if no, you I, I got away. Screw yeah, yeah. It's basically, like work. his his big his line, his favorite line is, "I did not escape justice; I escaped injustice." Or something like that. So That's crazy. But you know, yeah. I mean, like, I like I look at his life now. Like he's so much smaller than he used to be. You know, like yeah. he just circumnavigate the globe on his private jet. Everybody yeah. knew who he was. He made money, and now he's like a small Lebanese kind of investor businessman in Lebanon. Can't leave. He plays a lot of bridge. You know, and, and Beirut is tiny. Like I've spent a lot of yeah. time in Beirut. It, everybody knows everyone. You can't go anywhere without being recognized. And it's kind of uncomfortable. I mean, it's fine. It's better than a Japanese jail, right? Yeah. But it's a long way from what he had before. Yeah. And his, his issue is, and I know lots of people think that he should, as best he can, come to France, mm-hmm. face up to the charges. Let's say he, you know, he gets convicted. Let's say he does a few years. Is that better to then be free and be able to go back and live the big life that you wanted to live, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than living as a kind of international fugitive in Lebanon. I don't know. It's a genuine question. Yeah. Um, well, it's an anyway. extraordinary book, extraordinary story. If somebody's got to put it to film, so I'm sure somebody optioned your book. So, I, I I so anything more you want to tease out in the book before we go? You know, I mean, again, I, I I've spent a I've spent a lot of time on on Carlos Ghosn. And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have done if I didn't find a guy as fascinating as I do. Yeah. I think he, he had enormous qualities, huge qualities. One of the businessmen with the biggest qualities I've ever come across. He also had big flaws. And we've, and we've ended up with this kind of amazing kind of brief tragedy of a story, which, you know, people will read. And I hope so that people won't come to like easy judgments about Carlos Ghosn. That was certainly my goal when writing it, that, you know, it's complex. And, mm-hmm. you know, this this kind of, guy who grew up without a father and who came from Lebanon and who kind of like made it to the top of the business world through his, you know, through all of these qualities that we've been talking about. And then had this, had this kind of like flaw of this hubris that kind of brought him down. I mean, 
it's an age old story, but, but it's just, you know, I found it fascinating. I found him fascinating. I enjoyed oh, yeah. the whole project. So oh, I yeah. enjoyed the book. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the book and it'll probably end up as a movie. I mean, it has to end up as a movie. I mean, that yeah, I the whole play out of escaping in the box. I mean, that's, so that's happening <laughs> right there. You know, suspense and it's so blah, good. Blah, and, and just, just crazy times. Yeah. Did you yeah. get a chance to interview the bounty, the bounty guy, the, the guy who's the mercenary basically? Yeah, I did. I did meet him. I did meet him a few times. Yeah, I did. Meet What's him. his attitude these days in jail? What's does he is he like? You know, do the time, do the crime. I still got paid. No, he's the thing about Michael Taylor as well. Like uh, again, I met him a few times. He can't sit still. He he's always up. Oh. He's about. He's doing things. He you know he needs to talk. He wants to help people. And so like sitting in a Japanese jail, I can imagine would be total torture for total hell. You know, he still thinks that from from everything he knows, Gone was being mistreated and he saved a hostage that's his line and yeah. so he he is very bitter he's he's not the healthiest he's in his 60s himself so he's wow. extremely extremely bitter about being in jail the other thing he's bitter about is that he served in the u.s army right um mm -hmm. he was a, he was a former green beret and he is extremely bitter that his country would extradite him to Japan, knowing yeah. that, that what the what the justice system is like over there. So he's certainly not sitting there thinking, "I'm glad I did it." Actually, he never thought he would get extradited. He never thought wow. he'd do time for this. I, I'm not even sure he thought he would ever, ever get caught. I thought he, I think he think, thought he would do it, not tell anyone, and then move on. Wow. And the, the consequences have been severe for him and his son. That's that's. Probably the worst bit of it that his son is also sure. You get your son involved in your in your crap. You know, I mean, you I've I've seen these mercenary type dudes. In fact, we have one we've had one person on the show who doesn't yeah. really do that line of work, but he helps find people. His job uh -huh. is to find people. And like Lebanon is one place that he, he pulls people out of and different things. So if somebody comes up missing, kidnapped, you know, somebody grabs a wife. And, and take some, you know, the, he, he, he has ways of finding people and, and getting them expatriated. Yeah. And I, well, that's what Michael Taylor would do. I wonder if, yeah. was it Michael Taylor you had on the, no, he wrote a book called 20 hours in Lebanon yeah. or something. I'd have right, to right. Google it up on the show. We had him on a couple of years ago, but he yeah. finds people. And so it's quite extraordinary, but he does it in a, I mean, it's, it's legal from a U.S. aspect sense, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's sometimes it's probably not legal in countries cause I believe they do do a grab where they, yeah. where they have to do a Merc grab or something. I yeah, think yeah. I'd, I'd have to go back and read it, but yeah, look, this and is and Mike, Mike Taylor says, you know, one thing when he's done, when he's rescued, for example, kids from the middle East or whatever, he basically says it's, it's times when the U S government can't really do anything and they kind of give him a wink and a nudge and they say, listen, we can't do anything, but maybe you can. And so he mm -hmm. kind of does it. He feels what he says with the, the tacit approval of the U.S. government, and so in this case, obviously, he didn't have the tacit approval of anyone. Went out, went out on a limb, and just did his thing. Went out on a limb and did his thing. I'll have to look up who the book was that, that came on the story, but you know, it's it, this is this has got to end up to a movie. I mean, somebody's got to turn yeah, this into too. a movie because it 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 definitely should be option for one. So, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate Pleasure. it. And just to intriguing story and i'm sure there'll be probably some more you know intriguing things that come out as this thing progresses through the courts in his life and you know it's a it's really interesting but i i'll consider traveling in the future in a, in a box that sounds like a safer way to go funner way to go i don't know maybe, maybe. 
At least I won't have to sit next to know someone and get COVID. I don't know. There you go. So thank you for coming on the show, Nick. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Bruce. There you go. Well, and thanks for tuning in. Go order the book. You definitely want to get it. It'll be available August 9th, 2022. Boundless, The Rise and Fall, or I'm sorry, The Rise, Fall, and Escape of Carlos Ghosn. You definitely read about this. I mean, you, you, read, you read it and you're just like, wait, this, this is real? You know, like this sounds like a, some novel someone made up. So there you go. Real life story of real life events. Thanks for tuning in. Go to youtube.com for says Chris Voss. Go to goodreads.com for says Chris Voss. All groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those places the crazy kids are getting these days. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time.